on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark well we got breaking news coming from washington dc apparently mitt romney senator mitt romney is going to uh vote up or down on President Trump's nominee for the United States Supreme Court. Coming from Washington, according to Politico, it says this, Mitt Romney is quoted as saying, I intend to follow the Constitution and precedent in considering the president's nominee. If the nominee reaches the Senate floor, I intend to vote based upon their qualifications. So, folks, this pretty much seals the deal. I've been saying ever since the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that Mitt Romney was the key because we knew Murkowski and Collins were going to defect. But uh, Mitt Romney was always the uh, wild card. And now Mitt Romney seems to be on board with the president, which would give uh, his nominee 51 votes uh, when and if it comes to the floor. So this is a fait accompli now, I think. I mean, anything can happen, of course. The Democrats are going to pull out all the stops uh, and, you, you know, short of burning the country down, which, you know, might be in their toolkit. They're not talking about that directly. But, you know, they're talking about impeaching the president. They're talking about packing the court uh, afterwards to up to 13 justices. I mean, they're they're coming up with all kinds of stuff. They're desperate and they know this is going to happen. So that's good news coming out of Washington. Looks like the president's going to be able to confirm his nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. He's going to announce it on Saturday. I predict, as many do, that it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett. But, uh, you know, it's up. there's about five or so uh, females being uh, considered for that uh, position. Anyway, I wanted to bring that to you. If you hadn't heard already, Mitt Romney looks like he's going to be a, a yes vote for President Trump's nominee. Now, Listen, today, what we want to be talking about, something related to that. In fact, we're going to get to Roe versus Wade later on in the program and whether uh, Christians should be willing to defy the ruling of Roe v. Wade. We're going to talk a little bit about Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court and so forth. I spent a lot of time on this program dis dissecting all of the uh, complications regarding the court. I'm not going to do that today. You can go back and listen to us. Uh, listen to me on uh, past occasions if you're interested. But what we want to talk about today and what I've wanted to do for a while is just discuss kind of uh, in detail Romans 13 and the uh, admonition in Scripture to follow or obey the government. There's been a lot discussed, talked about, written about over the last six months since we uh, the government began handing down these uh, restrictions regarding COVID and the church's reaction to that 
whether we should regard those restrictions at what level we should uh, or in some, you know, some churches have done it one way. Other churches have done it another way. And so what I want to do is talk about today the uh, the issue of whether we should obey God rather than men when it comes to the COVID-19. And then we'll broaden it generally to Romans 13. Uh, and this has all come to a head basically because Reverend John MacArthur of Grace Community Church in California has defied Governor Na uh, uh, Gavin Newsom's edict that they not have church. And that has made national news and, and uh, John MacArthur's appeared all over the place talking about this. And so that's kind of brought it to the fore. And so, you know, some churches aren't even meeting now. Others are. And then there's like kind of a hybrid uh, of churches that are doing certain things that the government's asked them to do. But we want to talk about that today. We want to talk about uh, Reverend uh, MacArthur's position. And generally, should a Christians obey civil authorities? Where do we get that from? I want to ask the question, what's the difference between biblical obedience and civil disobedience? Uh, and, and so in order to do that, I brought on my good friend uh, and pastor, Sean Meyer. And Sean serves as an elder, and he's also the pastor, senior pastor of Aletheia Church in Salina, Ohio. Uh, Sean, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. So, Sean, the reason why I'm bringing you on is because, it, I don't know, it was in May. Uh, I happened to uh, watch a bit of your sermon. It was on Zoom at the time. Dealing with Romans 13 and the role of government, the role of a Christian in obeying or disobeying civil authority. So I thought I was uh, uh, I thought it was a great teaching, by the way. But anyway, I thought having you on would be uh, would be a good thing for our listeners to kind of go down through this. Um, first of all, let me if I would and let me let me read Romans 13, because that's really the key verse. There are others and we may get to those as well here. Uh, you know, First Peter 2 and, and so forth. But let me read Romans 13, and then we'll go through some of these questions that I'm uh, that I'm posing. It says in Romans 13, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it, which is the civil government, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now that's Romans 13, verses 1 through 4. And it's clear that Paul is saying that we should obey civil authority. So when it comes to, you know, acting this out, you know, as a Christian, to be able to actually follow this scripture... We're often confronted with situations where the government is doing or saying or compelling us to do something that would force us to disobey God. And so, you know, we, we can get into a lot of those situations if we wish. But 
you know, we have examples of that in Scripture, of course, uh, down through, you know, in the Old Testament and New Testament with Daniel praying, the Hebrew midwives, the apostles who were being told they couldn't preach the gospel. And they said they had obeyed God rather than man. But where it's come kind of to a head recently is all of these uh, restrictions that have been handed down by uh, the you know government, mostly state government, regarding COVID. Um, so what I want to do here, uh, 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 Sean, first is is to play this clip. This is John MacArthur. He has peer, appeared on Fox News last week because he has been told over and over over the last several months to not hold services in his church, and he's been defying the governor's order. And, you know, it's kind of gone back and forth where there's been lawsuits here and there. Um, and as of today, he is still under that uh, edict, but yet he is defying the government. So if you would, Mr. Producer, play that first clip. This is John MacArthur appearing on Fox News. Before Sunday, Pastor, what is your plan? Uh, we're going to have church on Sunday. Uh, there is absolutely no reason not to have church as far as safety goes. A statistic, one one hundredth of one percent of Californians have COVID. That's the number. And yet no one in the entire state of California is allowed to go inside a church. Doesn't make sense. Of course, we're under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and he says have church and we're going to have it. Okay, this is from the judge's order. He says. All right, so leave it there. So, Sean, here we go. So we, we had this COVID restriction. Uh, handed down in California and, of course, in Ohio, where you pastor here in Salina. Let's just start more generally and just ask, you know, when we talk about Romans 13, are we supposed to follow civil government's uh, edicts, laws, basically without any consideration for whether they violate Scripture? I mean, is this—is—is—is— is, 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 is Paul basically saying you need to follow the uh, the government's rules and laws regardless of, of how those affect you? Well, certainly not. Um, and I, I think for most people who believe we should comply with COVID uh, regulations and edicts and mandates, uh, even they would uh, not... Uh, believe that we have to in every case, regardless of what was, um, you know, what what we're being asked to do or commanded to do, uh, we wouldn't always have to do that. But but what I'm hearing uh, from friends, good friends, good pastors that um, are kind of going along with some of this is that this is not um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being told to bow down right. to the gold. This is a, a different kind of thing. Uh, MacArthur says the Lord Jesus tells us to, to gather, uh, and he right. said, so that, that's the authority that I'm recognizing here. Uh, it, it's interesting that um, I would put the United States Constitution ahead of any governor, uh, and, right. and the, the, the U.S. Constitution says we have the right to gather, and so the, the, the real question is, uh, under what circumstances does a governor have the authority to um, set the Constitution aside for the time being? And, um, and, and that's the, the real, I, I think, matter at hand. And, and indeed, does he have that authority? 
My guest is Sean Meyer. He's a pastor in Salina, Ohio, at Aletheia Church. Um, uh, Sean, of course, it says in uh, Hebrews 10, 24, that we should not forsake the assembling together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people look at that and they say, well, you know, that doesn't mean we have to actually be physically together in presence together, <laughs> you know, in person. <laughs> you know, and they'll say, well, it's OK to, you know, Zoom. Zoom kind of fits that uh, requirement. Uh, what, how do you take that? Because that's really the that's the scripture that John MacArthur is probably looking towards, right? We are yeah. told to assemble together. That is a clear admonition in scripture. Yeah, uh, I think so too. And uh, for the record, when we when our church um, at the very beginning, when when everything was uncertain, and we were told right. that we need to to flatten this curve because we don't mm-hmm. want to overwhelm our, our hospitals and our healthcare resources. Uh, we actually decided not to meet and to, to, to have uh, an online uh, gathering, so to speak, uh, even before the mandates came out, because we were just doing what we thought was the responsible thing to do. We didn't mm-hmm. want someone in our congregation to get hurt. Um, right. And so, and then uh, when, when hospitals started laying off staff and and uh, doctors because there wasn't enough work, then we realized, you know what? Maybe the maybe the the curve has been flattened, um, and and so that's when we decided we're going to gather uh, again, regardless of what we're being told by the government. In fact, people would ask me, "Well, are you allowed to do that?" And I and I said, "Well, frankly, I don't even know right now. I'm not keeping up day to day with the changing mandates. We're just we just right. know we're a church and we get together. Uh, but as far as getting together on Zoom, that's not getting together. Right. It, it really isn't. Uh, there's nothing like being face to face with God's people. You can't accomplish that through you know electronically. It just it, it's impossible." Uh, to get the same effect. And, and so uh, is it something that we can maybe use uh, when we have to? Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, but it's, it's not, um, it's, it's much less than ideal. Right. And in case of emergencies or in a case like this, I mean, where many people didn't know what it was going to look like down the road and, and to be prudent to, to take care of your congregation you met on Zoom. You know, one of the things that bothered me early on with this was, you know, the churches were never told not to meet, even in Ohio. They were never told not to meet. They were required to meet, uh, you know, under 10 or 50. I don't remember all of that before. But what what concerned me the most is they kind of agreed to the label of being non-essential. You know, we had this whole discussion of what's essential. And what's non-essential, right? <laughs> Remember that? You know, and the abortion clinics, they ended up being essential. Oh, sure. The liquor stores and all these other places were essential. And the churches were never told they were non-essential, but they behaved like they were non-essential because they didn't open. And that really concerned me that we are sending a signal to the culture, to those people we want to be reaching in our communities that we're really not that needed. It's not that important that we meet. How do you feel about that? Because that, that one really kind of set me off a little bit. Yeah, and, and uh, I, the church is essential. It is essential right. that we're meeting together uh, to, to equip and encourage and admonish and all of the things that the scriptures tell us we need. We need this like we need food. And, uh, and I agree right. with you. I think 
I think pastors that said, okay, well, we'll, we'll just shut down indefinitely. Um, you know, I think people already are inclined to think that way. They put their sports right. ahead of gathering with the, the, the fellowship of believers. And so when pastors were quick to comply with that, uh, I think it was uh, a, a disservice to the body of Christ. Well, and, you know, I don't know if you've been reading up on this, but George Barna, who does polling for the evangelical church, has said that up to 40 percent of those who are attending church probably aren't going to come back after COVID, if there is such a thing as after COVID, which I wonder. That, to me, is is pretty frightening that we have now communicated in some way or another that it's acceptable to basically go to church on Zoom and not meet, not be there for prayer and for admonition and fellowship. Uh, it's kind of part of the American culture. You know, we kind of just, you know, pick and choose what we want, like it's an a la, a la carte. This kind of just played along with that. And that really concerns me as well. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to normal again. And a lot of these churches are going to lose membership. Sure. Yeah. Fortunately for us, uh, we haven't seen that happen uh, we're, we're thankful that our attendance is where uh, it was uh, roughly prior to COVID. But I know uh, for a lot of churches that that is not the case. And there are a lot of, a lot of empty seats. And maybe someone could say, well, maybe they were never there to begin with. And they were just right. looking for that opportunity to slip out the back door. And, um, and, and may, maybe that's the case. Uh, but even even those who are nominally committed, I think, benefit from gathering and hearing the word. And so at the very least, it is, I think, unfortunate if those statistics are correct. So, Mr. Producer, if you would cue up this second clip, this is John MacArthur going through some of the restrictions that are put on his church in California. Uh, we don't have many of those here in Ohio, but we do have some. It just seems like the church is being treated differently. In fact, Many of the churches are going over and above what the government has actually told them that they need to do. And I wonder about that. I'm thinking, why is that? You know, when I go to a restaurant, I'm required to wear a mask. Okay, I get that. But all these other things, it's ridiculous. Go ahead and play that clip. It's about two minutes long, but I think it's going to make the point that the government has gone way over its uh, limitations to basically invade into the Christian church. Go ahead and play that clip. Are you happy to be at church? This is right after he was told he couldn't meet. Before we begin, um, the question has come up a number of times about why Grace Church does not just comply with um, the orders that have been laid down for churches. And I, I thought it might be helpful to give you the list of things that are required of us as a church so that you understand how utterly impossible that would be. Um, here are the basic orders. No indoor meetings at all. Pre-registration of every person who comes onto church property. People only allowed on church property for scheduled events. Every person who comes on the property is to be screened and have their temperature taken at the entry. Unbelievable. We all must maintain six feet of social distance at all times everywhere. 
including the parking lot and the restrooms. Every other parking space must be left vacant. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, that's Mark just... <laughs> pathways. Who writes these things? <laughs> to maintain social distance, keeping people apart, monitored by staff monitors. Everyone always wearing a mask. Restroom monitors to control six feet social distancing at restrooms. Tape on the ground marking distance. Signs indicating these mandates and also full exposure on social media. Restrooms are to be used during the service to minimize the rush. That would be interesting. <laughs> no hymn books, no communion, no offering containers, no pew Bibles, no singing, no hugging, no shaking hands. Disposable seat covers changed between services. <laughs> and the services have to be shortened. <laughs> I, I, I take it that John MacArthur's a little long-winded in his sermons. <laughs> That's not a problem to me, right? <laughs> and based upon the separation, we could only meet in the tent with a maximum of 350 to 400 people. You can see that these are the requirements that would completely shut the church down. All right, you can Anybody end it there. Who comes in contact so John, John MacArthur, you know, coming out, I think it's really important to, to look at the list. Uh, Sean, you know, this isn't happening across the country. It's happening in California and some other uh, states where the, the government's handed down these crazy onerous you know limitations on how you can go about having church i keep hearing from christian leaders that you know it's only temporary and that you know if we just go along to get along right now we follow what the government says it's going to go away and we'll be able to return back to normal now maybe that's true and i hope it is but doesn't it condition us based on i mean these some of these are ridiculous right yeah. not all are but most are. And then you look, as you know, Al, six months out, you go around, go about your business, you go into a store, you do this, you do that. And just some of the things we're doing are absolutely ludicrous and crazy. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's a concern for me is that uh, aren't we conditioning ourselves for further intrusion down the road? If that were to come about, especially when we're looking at, you know, we've got so much uh, upheaval and unrest in America, who knows what the government can do? And I, I just I'm afraid that if we're willing to cave in on this kind of stuff, when it comes to the bigger things, are we going to cave in on those? And does yeah. that concern you as a pastor? It, it, it sure does. It sure does. And just to speak to the, the you know, the, the claim that this is all temporary. Flattening the curve was temporary too. It was 15 That's days. Right. 15 That's right. days, get her flattened out, life is normal. And uh, here we are, what, six months later. And so, uh, yeah, it, it concerns me a lot. My daughter showed me a picture yesterday. She laughed at a picture in the newspaper of a bunch of students who had been gathered outside for a photo. And, and here are like 45 student athletes of a local school. They're outside. They're all wearing their masks. You can't, can't, can't tell who anyone is. 
And I, I said, that's actually frightening to me because here are all these kids who are just being trained to conform and to comply regardless of how ridiculous the rules are. And yeah, I think that that's a danger in the church as well. That, mm-hmm. we're, you know, some people will say, I'm not going to fight and die on this hill. I'm not going to fight and right. die on the hill of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And uh, other people will say, you know, we have to save our ammo because the LGBT uh, wave is coming. And um, if we right now, if we're seen as stubborn and resistant now, then, you know, they'll say, well, you guys were fighting the masks. Give me a break. And um, and and I actually agree with you. If you're saying this is conditioning God's people to just simply uh, follow along with whatever edicts come down, then, yeah, I think that's a problem. And if that's what Romans 13 is telling us to do, then that's what we have to do. But I don't think that that's what Romans 13 no. is telling us we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah, so let, let's get back to Romans 13, and then I want to transition to something else. Of course, it's been in the news, and that is Roe versus Wade. Uh, I know this is a big topic, but when or if or how do we defy the government? I mean, is the Bible clear about when it is that we can clearly say, no, I'm not going there. You're not going to force me to do this or the other thing? Um, from your perspective, so we can leave our listeners with some kind of grid. I mean, yeah. obviously it says here that the, that, the, that the civil government is a minister for good to bring uh-huh. wrath against evildoers. That's the idea. But when sure. government o- goes over and above its limitations given to it by God and our Constitution, by uh, when do we draw that line? Yeah, um, well... <laughs> It's, I know it's a tough question. I mean, it's broad. Yeah. It's a tough question, but do your best with that. One, one. Well, yeah, one thing that's for sure is if the government's telling us to disobey a direct command of God, then mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a no-brainer. I think almost everyone is going to agree. Uh, what, and, that's, and there are biblical examples of those. That's why we can draw those out, yes, like exactly. the apostles, for example. Sure, yeah. sure, exactly. Um, and, and so for me— the question is, is a question of legitimate authority. And so, mm-hmm. for example, you, you live in Franklin County. Is that right? Right. So, yep. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in your house some night, Mark, and uh, the doorbell rings and you go to your door and you open it up and uh, hello, and someone you know, walks right through the house and, and says, I'm so-and-so, I am the Franklin County Food Safety Inspector. Um, and I'm here to, to go through your pantry, um, I think you're going to have some questions. And, and maybe the first right. question is, did I vote for you? Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and if he were to say, well, no, this is actually an appointed position. Oh, okay. So it's a, um, do, do, who appoints you? Is that the county council? Who, who appoints you? And he says, well, actually, I, I appointed myself. This is a self-appointed position. And he's going through your pantry and he says, boy, a lot of sugar here, a lot of fat. I'm going to need you to get rid of this or I throw this stuff away. And are you going to when he leaves, are you going to say, well, honey, he is the, the Franklin County food safety inspector? Or are you going to say, uh, don't answer the door for that guy? <laughs> and and, and right. so the question is, if anyone who, who comes to us and says, 
here's what you have to do. I think the first question is, do you have the authority to mandate this? And, and so does a governor have the authority, the rightful authority under God? Because yes, every authority uh, instituted among men is from God. We, we recognize that. Right. But what is our authority? It, are people from all over the world trying to get to the United States because they like our dictators better than they like their dictators? Or is it because, hey, I get to have a say. This is a, a representative republic, and, and I want right. to be a part of that. And so our Constitution says that the power rests in the people and that we have right. there's accountability, we have representation. And so if someone gets outside of that, the, the ironic thing is, the very people who are telling us that we have to comply, they're kind of Romans 13 absolutists. They're telling us we have to comply with everything. Those folks, I would say, are actually defying the legitimate authority by mm. giving credence and, and encouraging, you know, what's the, the only word I can think of is tyrants. If, right. if they're encouraging and complying with tyrants, I think that, um, I think that they're the ones that are defying Romans 13 because the, right. the legitimate authority is the Constitution. We have a process. We have three branches of government. There's a process for legislation. We don't live under a king anymore. We don't have edicts. We don't have mandates. And, and so at that point, I think that we have to say, OK, the government does not have the authority to step into the realm of the church and, and tell us, you know, I would actually make that argument even more broadly. Um, but I think, I think we actually have, in some sense, a duty to defy illegitimate authority. Uh, if you read on in Romans 13, Paul talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And yeah. is it really loving my neighbor if I am part of this process of eroding the order that we enjoy as a representative republic. That's a good point. My guest is uh, Sean Myers, a pastor in Salina, Ohio, at Aletheia Church. Uh, Sean, I want to kind of turn the corner here, but what you're talking about is higher law, and obviously we want to obey God rather than man, and God's law supersedes man's law, and uh, anytime we find that we're being compelled to disobey God, that's a clear call to defy government. You know, it's interesting how people talk about the separation of church and state. Uh, you know, they they only want it to go one way. You know, they, they want Christians to stay out of culture. They want them to stay out of politics, out of society. But when the government starts intruding on the church, then it's OK. You know, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a one way street, unfortunately. Um, so. Yeah, I get it. So let, let's move to abortion. You know, it's funny that John MacArthur and I don't know if the bat, you know, the backstory on John Car MacArthur, but John MacArthur was one of the main voices that shut down Operation Rescue in the 90s when he came out against rescues in California. His church was asked to support it. He was asked to support it. And that was Operation Rescue, for those who have not been around for a while, was the blocking of abortion mills, physical blocking, barricading, if you will, bodily barricading, rescuing children. And he opposed that, but now he's, he's come around. So, you know, I, I'm, I'll forgive him for what he's done. But um, 
Operation Rescue is one of those big deals where there was civil disobedience on a mass scale in the Christian church. And it's been like 30 years. I don't want to get into whether, you know, you feel like that was legit or not. But we have the issue of abortion, for example. We have uh, babies being killed basically, you know, almost up to a million a year, 2,600 a day. 1973, we've, you know, 58 million, I think. I've lost count. But we have uh, that issue. And, and when it would it be appropriate for uh, Christians and others to defy the Roe versus Wade decision? Now, so I want to switch gears here. Just for the record, I've been on, re I've been on record as saying we should defy Roe for 15 years. We introduced a, an abortion ban in Ohio in 2006, HB uh, 228, that banned abortion. And I was very outspoken in saying we should not be bending the knee to Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is unjust law. It's illegitimate. The Supreme Court does not have the authority to uh, legalize murder. It's not in the U.S. Constitution. Abortion's not mentioned. The right to privacy does not extend to reproductive uh, issues or, if you will, abortion, birth control, those kinds of things. It's not within their purview to do that. It's the states that should be dealing with the issue of abortion and murder. So I've been on record saying, you know, yeah, we ought to stand up against whether that's, uh, you know, trying to get the court to change through the process of appeals or just a state legislature, governor, law enforcement, attorney general, just saying, no, we're going to enforce our laws. We have the right to do that in a federal system because the states are supposed to be at least down an equal plane this is called federal federalism actually we're supposed to have more of uh, more authority than the government than the federal government so the states should be able to pass laws regarding abortion and to uh, uh, to to enforce those so i've been kind of on record saying yeah we can we should do that if possible uh, so where do you stand on that? I know we've talked, uh, you know, uh, at some length about some of this, and I know you've done a you've done a talk about it, and I'm hopefully, uh, hopefully, folks, I'm going to be able to post a, a talk that that Sean did at a recent pro life conference regarding this and other issues uh, when it comes to whether we defy Roe v. Wade, whether we are intermediatists in the sense that we should abolish abortion altogether or work towards incremental ways of restraining it on the way to ending it. That's for another day. But what do you think about that? Should, should Christians um, disobey Roe, uh, Roe versus Wade, which is, you know, so-called the law of the land, although it's really not, it's just an opinion of the Supreme Court. We treat it as law. It's de facto law, kind of like income taxes, income taxes. We never voted on, by the way, <laughs> there's no, there's no amendment to the Constitution, actually, that compels us to pay income taxes, but everybody does it. I mean, everybody follows Roe v. Wade because they, they look at the Supreme Court and say, oh, well, you know, if they've spoken, we're supposed to follow it. Where do you land on that? Because I think that's a, a, one of those issues that we, we need to be dealing with, especially now with the court, uh, with an opening on the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, a moment ago, I asserted that we have a duty to defy uh, an order, uh, an illegitimate order uh, when it comes to not assembling together. Uh, so certainly right. if, there, if there's a law that says it's legal for, for one human being to kill another human being, 
we certainly defy that as well. The question is, what does defiance look like? Especially so, if we're told to do it. Right. You know, right. If we're yeah. saying you must kill your baby, clearly that's a violation. Or have some part in it. For example, right. uh, pharmacists who are told they have to dispense uh, the, the morning after pill. Uh, or these chemical uh, abortifacients, I, I would say um, in that case, defiance is pretty easy. We, you know, I'm just not going to do this, even if I have to you know, lose my license. Um, but I think for a lot of us, the question is, what, what, does, what does defiance look like? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I would say that wherever we're asked to have a part in the, the killing of innocent life, then we are to defy Roe versus Wade. Um, the, the question of how I get others to defy Roe versus Wade becomes a, a stickier question. Right. No doubt about it. So we're talking to Sean Meyer with the Lathia Church in Salina, Ohio, about Romans 13, whether we should be when and if we should be following the uh, orders of our government, and we're talking about Roe versus Wade, uh, not to get into the practical aspects, but, you know, nullification in the U.S. federal system is something with a story past. We know all about it, right? With uh, southern states being required to integrate, they refuse to do so. We have that during uh, Jim Crow. We have other things currently where marijuana laws are not being followed in in cities and states across america we have sanctuary cities and sanctuary states where we're they're defying the government many would say gun control is another one where we're, we've got states saying we're going to defy you know we're going to start restricting and taking away firearms and others other states saying no you're not going to do that i mean throughout history we see this happening what would prevent us from doing that on Roe v. Wade? I mean, I, I don't want to stargaze, but we kind of have to think about what are the implications? How would that look like? And how would that plan out, uh, play out? Yeah, in, in principle, I would be all for that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I like the idea of, uh, you know, I've mentioned to you before, I'm a Tenth Amendment guy. I like, yeah. uh, you know, let, putting the federal government in its place. Um, in its in its rightful place, um, and so uh, the in in principle, I, I like the idea of of uh, of nullification. Uh, I guess the bigger question for me is then what what happens when nullification fails and you don't mm. have the political support uh, to right. defy the federal government. At what point, you know, what, what, what do we do at that point? Um, I, like, exactly. I like the idea. Right. Well, you know, that's always been the issue with me because I've always called for it. It's just hard. It's really hard to get people to join on board because you're talking about a governor. First of all, you got to pass a bill that abolishes abortion and goes against Roe v. Wade or something even like the Harpy bill in Ohio. If the governor and the AG and the law enforcement enforced that law and told the gov uh, the federal government to pound sand, that would set up this clash between the federal and state government. And how that would play out remains to be seen. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, the, the federal government would probably just restrict or pull funds. They, they take away funding. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, I guess they could roll the uh, National Guard and keep the abortion mills open. 
I guess it depends on what the state does. I mean, if they go in and, and take the abortion equipment and and uh, or, or padlock the buildings or, you know, I don't know. But certainly it seems to me there's no political will within the Christian church, uh, pro-lifers generally, to do this. Uh, and I think in part, and maybe you can comment on this, we as Christians are law keepers. We, we tend to want to follow the law, work through the processes that are available to us until we get to a place where it totally breaks down, where we have no options yet to accept to defy. Uh, I would say that I would want to work both ends of the spectrum. And I've always said this. I'm an and both guy. You know, <laughs> it's like you got the Supreme Court. Right now, we have an opportunity to put another justice on the court that might be in a position to re reverse Roe v. Wade. We don't want to throw that out entirely for this other political strategy of nullification. We should be working both. I don't think we've reached the point yet that we can abandon the uh, process of appealing decisions to U.S. Supreme Court. And so that's been my position pretty much all along. But I would love to see a governor stand up to the U.S. Supreme Court and the federal government on abortion. Uh, if we can nullify law when it regards to immigration and marijuana and all this other stuff, why can't we do it on abortion? It's just a matter of getting enough people to join on board with it. And I just think that's a that's a tall order because we tend to be law keepers. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're there yet. I certainly no. encourage the effort. Uh, I know some states are closer than others. Um, I don't I don't think that it's uh, a reality. I don't think it'll ever be a reality in Oregon, um, you know, or, or New <laughs> no. York. Right. right. So or um, California. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I support the, I support the effort and I, I think it's great, but what I don't think we should do is say, this is, this is all we've got. And, right. uh, we can't put all our eggs in that basket because the, the reality is in spite of what some people claim, which I think it's a pre preposterous claim that, that incremental laws don't save lives. I think it's absurd. I think it's been shown to be false. Uh, we have to do everything we can do in the moment to save as many as are savable. Agreed. My guest has been uh, Sean Meyer. Sean's the pastor at Aletheia Church in Salina. Sean, I want to wrap this up. Uh, any closing thoughts? I know we've gone a lot of directions here. We talked about COVID. We talked about Romans 13, following a government, disobeying government. We talked about Roe v. Wade. If you would, just leave some parting words, maybe some marching orders for those who are listening and they're trying to work through all of this in their mind as to, you know, their church, what their church might be doing regarding the COVID restrictions, uh, this whole issue. Because I think we're going to be we're going to be facing this over the, the coming years uh, more than ever, where the government just seems to have a knack for taking away our rights and forcing us or trying to force us to do things that are not scriptural. If you would just leave us with some parting words. Yeah, well, I, I think my parting words for any Christian is be faithful wherever God has called you to be faithful. Sometimes that will mean resisting evil um, and, and, and be, be bold, be courageous, but let's not lose our joy. Let's not forget mm. that the Lord Jesus has, has, 
reached down and he became incarnate for us so that we could receive eternal life. And, and so regardless of how bad things get, even if we end up in jail, we, we always have a reason for joy. And then to take every day and, and, and live a life of love as the apostle Paul called us to do, uh, not just with our friends and our neighbors, but even with our enemies, that as we work through all of these issues, we're called to a life of love. We're called to the, the joy of the Lord Jesus. And I think those are the, the things that are really, really bigger. All of this right. is very important, but God's people will be known by the love that we have primarily for each other. And, and my encouragement uh, to, to every Christian listening is, let us be known by our love. Amen. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't agree with everything our church has done. I don't think everyone, anyone agrees with everything their church is doing. But we need to be civil in our disagreements. We need to do it with brotherly love and kindness, uh, not being disagreeable, working through the problems and thinking the best of one another, upholding them uh, in the best light. That's what we're called to uh, in Scripture, to be good neighbors. So. Uh, we don't want to be, you know, that uh, that person that's constantly <laughs> objecting to every little thing that comes down the pike. I, I think that gets a little bit annoying over time. So, folks, you've been listening to the Mark Harrington Show with your radio activists. You can find out more by going to markharrington.org. You can follow us on our Facebook page at The Mark Harrington Show. You can also pick us up on uh, terrestrial la- uh, radio in Columbus, in Ohio, in the uh, at WRFD, that's AM 880 WRFD and WCVX 1160 AM in Cincinnati. Sean, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness, against the evil Evil. plague in America. Call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. Createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.